On today's episode of the Wave Podcast, we have the absolute worst week in Baltimore sports history, at least since the Mayflower left us. We break down the Orioles losing to the Rangers in each of the first three games of the ALDS, what went wrong, uh, why we weren't able to even look competitive, who shined, not that there was much of that, what we need to improve upon. And moving on into the offseason... I give a checklist of things that the Orioles need to accomplish this offseason. We break down the Ravens game against the Steelers. They lost 17 to 10. They had every opportunity to put this game away early and often, and they didn't take it. Eight drops by the receivers. Lamar plays a great game. Defense plays a great game, and they still can't get it done. We talk about what happened. We talk about everything that went wrong and how it all came back to bite us in the ass. And unfortunately, we have to ask a hard conversation about why is this team in week five still playing unsound football and making tough mistakes? We transition into this week. We break down the Ravens game versus the Titans in London. Kickoff is at 9.30 a.m. Eastern. Be ready. Get up early. Josh and I break down the game. We give our keys to victory. We talk injury reports. We're talking Titans coming off a tough divisional game against the Colts. DeAndre Hopkins looks like he's all the way back. Ravens are still figuring some shit out. Nevertheless, we break down and preview the entire game. Josh and I wrap up talking a little bit of college football. My Irish took a big loss last week at the hand of the Louisville Cardinals, ultimately probably kicking them out of college football playoff contention. We talk the biggest games on this week's slate and the games that we most are looking forward to. And as always, last order of business, I give you all my week six NFL best bets. Thank you all for coming back. Here we go. Episode 74. Welcome back to the Wave Podcast. Today is Thursday, October 12th, 2023. And Josh, I would ask you how you're doing, but I think you, me, and you know the greater Baltimore area all feel the same way. And that's kind of shitty right now. Yeah, not not great. Definitely felt better over the last couple of days. It's been a brutal, what, five days, I think? Like, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's been a brutal Something five like days. I, I think as far but outside of the team that I work for and grew up with, like in whatever, every team I grew up with, I'll say it that way, but what, 0 for 5 during like a four or five day stretch? Yep. And each had like just generally frustrating like aspects to the game that were just not fun. Not a great time, honestly. Not not great. Not not a great not a great time. No, literally, I remember Sunday night I was sitting on uh, I was sitting on my couch was watching the Orioles game. The Ravens had already lost. And I was literally the the meme from uh, Real Bros of Simi Valley. Like, I'm straight up not having a good time. That was yeah. exactly how I felt. And I think I was at I was with uh, my family. We had dinner. And I think everybody knew it, too. Like, I was just a, a shell of a human. And I was I was inconsolable, almost. Like, it was just it, Sunday was awful. And then Tuesday to pile on. But uh, yeah, man, this is this is the I, I think I would go as far as to say this is the saddest week in Baltimore sports history. 
which is hilarious because I think last week I said this could be the happiest weekend in Baltimore sports history. Like, just yeah. with everything that was going on. And I think he even said, I don't know if I said this on the show, but I was like, it could also be the worst, but let's not think about that. Like, it can't right, go yeah. <laughs> that bad. Last week was the absolute, like, Murphy's Law sports-wise. Like, everything that could go wrong did go wrong yeah. at its absolute finest. I mean, just uh, absolute, like just a gut punch of a day, like the type of weekend that makes you question, like, why, why do we like sports? Um, which uh-huh, everyone's going to have those questions. Everyone's going to have those questions from time to time, but it was just a gut punch. Like starting with the Maryland game, like, you know, things like you expect the, you're like, you don't really expect to win that game. Um, right. You expect to compete, which they did. And I'm very happy that they did, but the wheels fell off pretty fast and just not smart plays and just, mm-hmm. Not the best moments. I feel like you gave it away more so than you lost that game. So that was rough. But, like, you know, Maryland football, that's probably the, the healthiest sports relationship I have just in how I handle it. So um, you take everything with that with a grain of salt. Then the O's just dropping a tough game one. Um, the game that you felt like you kind of had. No real moments to really, like, cheer for or get super excited about. No, like, real pop from the crowd. But you felt like you had it. You knew Texas was going to be a tough matchup and whatever. Sunday, we're going to get into that. That was just the worst possible outcome for, like, everything. It felt like death by paper cuts and then, like, a huge just shotgun shell yeah. to your chest. Um, yeah, we'll get into the details. But I, feel, I felt my soul leave my body multiple times that day, and it wasn't great. And then going into, uh, as we're going this on Tuesday, no, Wednesday, going into Tuesday's game, you're just hoping that they could put up some fight. And it was just like a slow, like painful, like agonizing death. So not a great time. Not having fun right now, Dante, just to be honest with no. you. No, I'm I'm still not straight up not having a good time. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, we might as well get into it. So uh, all of our listeners can join in our misery as well. <clears throat> um, so we'll start with the Orioles. Obviously, like you said, we're recording this is Wednesday night. Um, last night, Tuesday night was the official end to the 2023 season. Um the sw- uh, sweepless streak in Baltimore is over since I, f- I think it was like 90 something street uh, series in a row that the uh, Orioles have avoided a sweep uh, since May of 2022. The Orioles haven't been swept in a three or a four game series uh, all came to a screeching halt this weekend in the American League Divisional Series. Um, I was not expecting to be there. But I was in the building on Saturday for game one. A good friend of mine, shout out Jake Barwick, reached out to me late Friday night. And he was like, yo, my parents got tickets. We got an extra one. You're coming. I was like, bet I'm there. Um, The environment, first and foremost, was unbelievable. Like it was packed out, completely sold out. The people were ready in abundance for that game. The, you know, the the fans showed out. The fans did their part. Yeah. Yeah. And. I honestly, I think I, like you said, the first game on Saturday was really the only one that we felt competitive in. Um, we, we fell down early, um, but Bradish, you know, Bradish did more or less what Bradish has done all year. He looked pretty good. I know a lot of yeah. people have been complaining about Brandon Hyde and some of the decisions he made in the series and Bradish coming out a little too early was one of them. I personally thought taking Bradish out there was the right move. Um, you know, it's a playoff series. You're you're fighting and clawing for every run on either side. Um, and Bradish was starting to get touched up a little bit. I believe it was his third time through the lineup. So I honestly had no issues pulling him there. Um, and really, by and large, I thought Hyde managed the series fairly well. Um, yeah. Game two, I really think he made his 
biggest mistake if and maybe his only real mistake and that was bringing brian baker in when he did um i didn't really understand why baker was on the postseason roster to begin with i don't think he showed you anything at any point in the regular season that proved he deserved that spot especially over somebody like you know like fujinami you know i i get yeah. baker can baker can probably give you a couple more outs or maybe an inning more than Fuji typically does, right? Like Fuji's a one inning guy, Baker, you could throw out there for two, two and a third innings or whatever. Um, but flip side of that coin, I feel like the last couple of times that we saw Baker before he got DFA both times were when he gave up, you know, big hits, big home runs. I, I go back mentally all the time to the series against um, the Dodgers. I believe it was Chris Taylor where he got ahead, I think one or oh one or one two, and he threw three straight fastballs up in the zone, missed, foul, miss, and then he gave up the grand slam. And really, from there on out, I was like, Brian Baker does not deserve to be on this team, and that's kind of why I thought Fuji deserved that spot over him. Um, but like I said, I think Hyde did a pretty good job all around managing the series and his decision making. That was really just the biggest blunder. Um, but Saturday, Saturday was competitive, man. Uh, Bradish, I thought pitched really well. Tyler Wells coming in early out of the bullpen pitched really well. And really the whole series, Tyler Wells looked really good. Same thing with DL Hall. DL Hall was absolutely ready for the moment Saturday. He was ready for it on Tuesday. DL Hall's a guy. Um, but the biggest, uh, I guess, storyline coming out of Saturday and really the entire series was the Orioles struggling with runners in scoring position, which is something that they were not struggling with in the regular season. I think Fox put the graphic up last night. Uh, they had the highest batting average with runners in scoring position in the regular season. And they were something like one for 18 in the series. So you do that. And then isolating Saturday specifically, you will walk 11 guys in a game multiple times in Tuesday's game. Dean Kramer got behind to guys early on in the innings. He put the leadoff guy on like, you just can't do that in the postseason. And it bit him in the ass, just, you know, plain and simple. Yeah, great analysis there, Dante. I agree with you. Um, I will say the one um, one decision I didn't really understand was in the ninth inning, sending the dude on a hit and run when our bats were just cold. I didn't really get that. Our bats were cold. I, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to manufacture runs with that situation. That was the one thing I'm like, all right, I probably wouldn't have sent them, but who like, in theory, that's not a bad thing to try to manufacture runs. You get a hard hit ball. It's the middle of anything can happen. It's high ball game. Yeah. Place goes crazy. Um, so, but again, those things happen. That happens all the time, whatever. Um, just as the series goes, just, I don't know, nothing really went right. The bats were kind of cold. Um, yep. not really timely hitting at all. A lot of these studs that usually show up just had rough outings. I mean, it's baseball. You're going to have a rough four days. I do want to highlight Tony Tater. So he had a pretty good series overall, as far as like, Absolutely. Go. he was competitive. Um, so same thing with Gunner. Gunner has some timely hits as well and played his heart out. Um, yes. Gunner, Gunner to me was this the series MVP for the Orioles. I mean, he was six for twelve. Yeah, he didn't look like he was phased by the moment at all. Um, Gunner, Gunner, he's a dog. He had a great series, and yeah. unfortunately, you could say basically the opposite for Adley, who really just didn't show up at all. I think he was like one for twelve, maybe or one for eleven yeah. in the series. Adley had a rough go. Um, one for twelve isn't great. Um, you know, bad stretches. You know, those things happen. So Adley just. Yeah, he had a rough go, but so did the whole offense. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys, you would hope show up to have some better impressions. Like, I know Cedric Bones has been really cold as recently. Do you think in that seven, eight, nine spot, he would do something like help out with something like? Hundred percent. 
didn't happen. Um, pitching just, I mean, you live and die by pitching, especially in October. Pitching was like just not outstanding, not what we needed it to be overall. That's not a knock with any other guys. Like specifically, I think they're all like decent pitchers. Um, I did want to see. I would rather have seen John Means in there than Kramer yesterday. I didn't realize that Means wasn't on the roster until this morning. Yeah. Um, so apparently he had yeah. some like elbow soreness or something that kept him off the roster, which I I thought that too. I like going into the series before I knew he was hurt. I was like, oh, okay. So your one, two, three is is Bradish, Rodriguez, and Means. Yeah. Um, so yeah, not not having John Means that that definitely hurt us. Um, but you're right. Like starting pitching is really what let us down. Obviously Baker was not good in Saturday's game. Um, yeah. Jacob Webb struggled in both games that he appeared in. Um, but outside of that, man, our, our relievers, I thought by and large looked good outside yeah, of those sure. two. Like, like Wells was locked down every time he came in. Like I said, DL hall was, was made for the moment. He did not yeah. shy away from anything. Um, Cano looked good every time he came out really, you know, low yeah. leverage situations, but you still got to get outs and he got him. Um, yeah. it was really, it was really our starting pitching. Uh, like I said, I think Bradish pitched pretty well in game one. Right. Um, but if you go back and, and, you know, you look at the game two Sunday, uh, Sunday night, m- the majority of their runs came in the first two innings, you know, like yeah. we, we had, we one, two, three start to the game. Uh, we get a, two runs in the bottom of the first, and then it was all Texas from there on out. So, yeah. And I think it was like a, the most walks in any playoff game. We had 11 walks on Sunday. Like you're just not going to win ball games doing that, especially no. against a really, really good lineup that Texas had. Um, So, you know, it's, it's tough when I see people talking about, you know, Hyde did this and Hyde should have done that. Like, yes, you can obviously nitpick anything and like one nitpicky sort of thing that I wish I would have seen was, whether before or after Gunner gets thrown out, I would have loved to see Heston Kerstad get a pinch hit there for Adam Frazier. You know, you're down by a run, bottom of the ninth, trying to make something happen. Kerstad's got that bat where one swing and it's over. So right. I understand, though, like Frazier, postseason experience, he's a vet, he he understands, I get all that. But it's just little things like that that you could go back and, at least for me, you could look at and like... There was a lot of talk about Cedric Mullins. Um, yeah, he was super cold. He was, I think, 0 for 8 going into Tuesday night's game. Um, but I was okay with leaving him in the lineup because you need his glove out there. You yeah, need like I agree he is that. a perennial gold glove ca- gold glove caliber center fielder. And to me, I just don't think you can sacrifice that, especially with your back against the wall. Um, I mean, we saw how the the Braves Phillies game ended on Monday. So yeah. I was I was completely fine with leaving him in there. Eight nine spot is probably where he should have been, other than seven. But again, that's a nitpicky sort of thing. Right. Um, but to me, everything that I continue to come back to as far as why we didn't, why we weren't more competitive in the series, are two things: walks, just far too many walks, and lack of success with runners in scoring position. If you can't hit with runners in scoring position, you're just you're putting a lot of stress on your pitchers. And obviously, like you said, our pitchers really didn't have it. Um, which is going to happen in baseball. Baseball is a very streaky sport. It's very momentum oriented. And our guys just didn't have it. Um, there were opportunities for the bats to get going and they just didn't. And unfortunately that's, you know, that was our, that was our demise. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely sucks. And it was just like a, more like a, like instead of like a fight to the death, just felt like a whimper, like a, just a slow, like painful, agonizing, like torturous death. Yeah. So yeah, just not a great time. Um, but the future's still bright. I'm trying to be positive. The future's still bright. 
I'm with you. We are still ahead of schedule. Um, I'm literally just regurgitating everything that people told me yesterday when I was inconsolable. <laughs> so give me a second. I mean, I know my my one my one yeah. friend texted me, and uh, I mean, I, I didn't respond to him, and I felt bad. I was just so beaten down. But he's a Phillies fan. He's a Philly guy. He texted me, and he goes, "Look, man, you guys have a lot of heart. You have a ton of young talent. You guys are going to be good." And I was like, "Dude, I can't even hear this right now. Like, I just right. want I want no part of this right now." Right. So yeah, I get you. It's, it's way too early, and I'm way too in the thick of it to find a silver lining in a positive spot. Like my team's got like the best team in baseball. One of the best teams in baseball just got like blank, basically. I don't want yeah. to talk to you about like the future. I'm I'm pissed that we didn't win it now. And I know <laughs> it's ironically eating up the whole month. Like, man, I don't care how long this ride lasts. It's also just keep playing. I enjoy watching this team. Yeah, that went out the window as soon as the first pitch. Like, yep. As soon as first pitch, I'm like, okay, World Series, like lock in, let's go. We need a title, like in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Like 83 has been too long. So, you know, it happens. It is a bright future for this team. It's certainly not over. In fact, I think it's just started. It's mm-hmm. just it's gonna be a long road to climb that mountain again and go to 162 games again and just get the next October a lot. It's gonna be a lot, and we don't know what's gonna happen next year. Some teams could get better, some teams could get get worse. It just felt like this team had a lot more in them than what they showed, and it's just a dis- it's a disappointing end to a good season, a really great season, some might say. So I I could not agree more, and I honestly I couldn't have said it better myself. On both accounts, there those last two things that you said, I I think, um it was definitely disappointing because you go through 162 and you are so good during the regular season and you beat damn near everyone you played. Like, you know, like I said, the, the, the sweepless streak for one, but also like you were competitive against some of the best teams in the league, the Atlanta Braves is the LA Dodgers, like the, the best teams in the league you, you hung with and especially like divisional opponents, you know, the Rays, the Jays, Uh, you have you have the season series on everybody so while it was it was great to see all the success and the progress that we made this year um i think it's very okay to feel disappointed and kind of pissed off that we didn't even win a game or like we didn't really look competitive for more than a few innings on saturday you know like i think both things can exist there but ultimately i completely 1000 percent agree with you it's a sad and disappointing ending to what was a phenomenal season um i agree with you the future is still very bright like you said other teams are going to improve as well we just have to you know hope that we improve with them i think this is a great opportunity for you know michael Elias, brandon hyde and despite what a lot of people have said about him john angelos to really show their cards and say we're serious about this or we're just going to continue to do what we've done and hoard prospects and build through our own farm system, so on and so forth. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to the off season just because I think there's a lot of questions that beg answering now. Um, but before we get into a little off season talk, give me your final thoughts on the season. I wanted something to cheer about and I didn't get it. And it's kind of disappointed because I look at every other team in the playoffs right now and every other team, despite the race, who have maybe 10 fans at their games, like, <laughs> had something to cheer for. Like, I'm looking at, like, the Twins, even though they're getting smacked. I think they were getting smacked, like, by Astros last time I checked. They yes. ended, like, a 20-something, like, a 12-year, like, playoff drought or, like, something crazy, like an 18-game playoff drought. So they had something yep. to cheer for. Um, Arizona has something to cheer for by beating the Brewers. Um, I even think the Brewers had some moments where the crowd got rowdy and crazy and stuff like that, too. 
And the Phillies, Scott, they just keep having moment after moment, whether for or against them. But like those games, even though they're blowouts in some ways, shape or some forms, it's still exciting. You have a moment to watch. I know Bryce Harper hit two huge home runs in crowds and crazy. Now, I wanted that for us so bad. Like I wanted another Delman Young moment where like the city's yeah. going crazy and stayed and dropping. And we just didn't get that. And I feel kind of slighted and disappointed about that. But, you know, it happens. There's no guarantees that you get those good moments in the playoffs. Um, unfortunately, these teams happen every time Baltimore teams at home, which is so disappointing. Um, but it happens. So I'm kind of like, I'm disappointed about that. But overall, like, I will say this season has got me back into baseball after taking like a brief, like, not hiatus, but I still watched and I still like kept up with everything and I'm still good at the games. But this season reminded me how fun. Yeah, this, yeah, exactly. Like apathy. This season got rid of my apathy yes. for baseball, especially Orioles baseball. Remind me how fun the team can be, especially when they're good. So future's bright. Um, you mentioned the three characters about like Michael Elias, John Angelos, and uh, Brandon Hyde. See what they do this offseason. I can confidently say I'm confident in two of those people. The one is a huge question mark. Um, and I'll leave the, I will leave the listeners to interpret that however they would like to. Um, I don't even know what we need this offseason, like transitioning to the offseason talk. I would love to see another arm. I would love to see a solid veteran in there that can really like change the game. Uh, Shohei Alasani would be great. I don't think that's going to happen, but it would be nice. Uh, probably not going to happen. Um, I'm honestly like still excited about the prospects coming up. The guys like, I want to see more Kirk said. I can't wait for Jackson Holiday to come up whenever he does and some of the other younger guys that I keep hearing about. So I'm curious to see how they shuffle this. Like, you have the talent in your farm and that is, like, ready to come up, and you have some talent there. I'm curious to see how it all comes together and how we can make this team better and grow and, like, how we can keep this momentum going into the next season. Because one thing I've noticed over the last couple of seasons, even when we lose 100-plus games, it slowly got better over time. And I yes. want to see what the next step is, whether that be, like, you know, hopefully making it to the playoffs and, like, Showing like you actually like belong there. Winning a baseball game. That was great. Showing that you actually belong <laughs> there, and like instead of just kind of being happy to be there, like to build the story of oh they're here. Like no, arrive right. and like take care of business and like show that you're forced to be reckoned with. Um, but again, those things take time. I'm curious to see what happens off season. I just don't know exactly which moves I would make right now. So yeah, I I, I 100% agree. And I had a couple notes here, just like kind of like an off season checklist for the Orioles. Um, and I really think we don't really have a ton of like huge holes that we need to fill. And I think especially the second half of the season showed that when Felix went down, I was super worried. And I know you felt that too. Cause like I said it time and time again, for a team that plays a ton of close ball games, having a lockdown closer like that, that you can rely on to get you three outs or four outs is massively important, but you know, bring up the conversation of strength of schedule. All you want, you play who you play. Everybody in the major leagues has good players and the Orioles bullpen when Felix went down performed admirably. So I think that's definitely worth something. And also like, you know, like I mentioned with the whole runners and scoring position thing throughout the regular season, we were hitting like 290 with runners and scoring position. We were the best team in the, in the major leagues to, to do so. So I think while we're super young and while we're obviously from the series, extremely inexperienced when it counts, um, I think that's only going to improve. Um, so, like I said, my offseason checklist for the Orioles, a couple things I think by far the most important is key contract extensions. I, I have three names circled, and I know I'm not the only one here, so this is by no means a hot take, but I have three names circled that I think absolutely have to at least be discussed as far as contract extensions go this offseason. The first one 
which may or may not come as a surprise to some. I don't really think it should, though. I think Anthony Santander has earned himself a contract with the Orioles. He has been one of our most consistent hitters when he's on the field. He can play right field. He's showing that he can now play first base, which I think is making him even more valuable to this team. He's a switch hitting bat. He has power from both sides of the plate. He can use the gaps from both sides of the plate. And he's a, like I said, he's a very solid bat in the middle of your order. So I think he has 100% earned a spot on this team for years to come. I'm not saying you got to give him like an eight year deal. I think that is probably completely off the table, but if you give him a three year extension or even a four year extension with, with maybe an opt out on either side, I think that fits both sides perfectly. Tony is still fairly young. I want to say he's probably like 28. You give him a 30 or excuse me, you give him a three-year contract. He gets another bite at the apple when he's 31. Hopefully by then we'll have some more playoff success that he can kind of take into a negotiating table. And at that point we say, you know, thank you for your service. We have a ton of young guys coming up behind you that are going to fill your spot and, you know, go be great somewhere else. Um, but nevertheless, I think Tony absolutely deserves to be extended and I think he should be extended. Uh, and the other two are the obvious ones, right? I think you have to extend one of Adley or Gunnar Henderson this offseason. Um, if I were to give my preference, I think I would lean to Gunnar solely because he's a Scott Boris client. And, you know, a lot of people know how Scott Boris operates. The more that Gunnar performs like he did this year, his price is only going to go up. Um, I think it's unlikely that Gunnar signs before the 2025 offseason at the earliest, just because, like I said, that's how Boris operates. Um, but I think Gunner gives you a little bit more explosivity in the field at the plate. I mean, obviously he's going to be the freaking AL rookie of the year this year after hitting a buck 50 through the first month of the season, like 28 home runs as a rookie. It's just his, his greatness can't be overstated. And I think if I were to pick one out of the two, I think it would be Gunner just for those reasons. Um, but also like Adley's value to this team since he came up last May it can't be overlooked. He has just been so valuable to our pitching staff. He's been so valuable to the clubhouse. He, he, I really do think he's like a true embodiment of you're your, a leader in the clubhouse. And I think he's going to be that for years to come. Um, so I think you have to get one of those two extended this off season. Um, my second item on the Orioles off season checklist is to go out and get a bona fide MLB arm, whether that's in free agency whether that's through trade, however you got to do it, go out and do it. Kyle Gibson was a nice signing, but towards the end of the season, down the stretch, he didn't really look all that great. Um, I didn't really love the signing to begin with, but I understand vet presence. He had postseason experience. He, you know, been in the league for 10 years and we had a bunch of young guys. I think it was a good signing and I think he did really well within his role. But this offseason, you have to go out and get a bona fide MLB arm. I think Dylan Cease is potentially on the table, which I would personally love. He would be expensive, but I think he's certainly on the table considering where Chicago is right now. Um, there are a couple other guys that I think might be floated out there. Corbin Burns might be one, depending on what Milwaukee decides to do in the offseason. But there are guys out there. Um, and kind of going hand in hand with that, I don't think we should be afraid to ship out some prospects. Um, and even some, you know, MLB guys to, to you know, make a deal happen. Like, I, I personally love both of these guys. Um, I just, I fear that because of how deep our farm system is, one, if not both of them are going to get end up getting edged out. Um, but if we have to send somebody like 
Cedric Mullins or Austin Hayes, along with a couple prospects to go get a guy like Dylan Cease or Corbin Burns or whoever it might be. I think we're at the stage where we have to be okay with that because Elias has done his job and all of our scouts have done their jobs building up our farm system. And this year showed us that we're ready to go. Um, so I think if you go out and get a bona fide stud to bolster your starting rotation, doesn't necessarily have to be an ace, but you know, a two, three guy to fit in with Bradish and means and Grayson and, you know, Cade Povich who might be up next year. Like there are guys that we really need to go after and, and, you know, get the right help. So I think that's something that they need to talk about as well. Uh, my last thing on our offseason checklist that I think we need to do, um, this is, you know, kind of a lesser one because we really started doing it last year. Um, but we need to go out and make the right veteran signings. Um, I mentioned Kyle Gibson. I think he was excellent in his role here. Uh, same thing with Adam Frazier. I was very much against the Adam Frazier thing to start the season. Um, but I think he did really well. We have a ton of young infielders, Gunner, Jordan Westberg, to name a few. And I think he was really good at being that veteran presence. Like I said, he has postseason experience. So that was a plus. Um, and then the last guy that was, you know, obviously a late signing, but Aaron Hicks, I thought was phenomenal for us. He, it's great that the Yankees paid him 20 million to play for us. Like that was an added bonus. Um, but I think his, uh, his experience definitely showed while he was here. Uh, and I think we need more of that. I would be personally, I'd be okay with bringing him back at the right price. If we have to pay him, I don't know how, what his contract looks like with, with the Yankees, how much money he's owed from them, but I'd be okay with bringing him back. Um, but there are other guys like that too. I don't know who's going to come up on free agency this year, but I'm sure Elias is all over it. Uh, like I said, that's a, that's a lesser one, but Josh, what do you think? How do you feel about that? Yeah, just kind of go a quick rundown of everything you said. I agree with those three that you need to resign. I may choose Adley over Gunner right now because Adley is the face of your franchise. Um, however, I think That's you fair. need to sign both of them. I just think you need to sign both of them, honestly. I think they need to be locked in for a very long time, if I'm not mistaken. Like, just straight up, they need to be locked in for a while. You build around those two because they are going to be your corner pieces, especially with Jackson Holiday coming up. Sign them now so you can, like, Bale Jackson's rookie contract and then get him going like at a later date. Yes. Um, but those are good. They're, they are going to be the new, like the new, like eight, five, 33. Like those are guys that will, if we do go as far as we think we can and win some world series or whatever, they are going to be the ones to get you there. And they're going to be, they're going to be the new Brooks, like Brooks Robinson, Eddie Murray type. If everything goes as we think it will. And we definitely do. Yeah. Like in 30 years, you'll see a lot of gunners and Adleys running around Baltimore metropolitan area. I just, <laughs> I, I firmly believe that. Um, I think you, you have to build from those two, and you also, like you said, had to resign um, Tony Tony Taters. Um, reward the guys that got you through this crazy time. I'm a firm believer in that. Even if it's like a decent bridge, like you said, three or four years, I think that's perfect for him. Um, we still need a better bridge, like Adam Jones or like a. Something like those lines where like you can kind of keep the locker room together. I think the locker room loves uh, Anthony Santander and the community loves him. And he's been through a lot with this team. Reward him for finally being good. Don't just don't just ditch him because you finally have some talent and you guys got this playoffs or whatever. So I would love to see those guys resigned, um, like you said, um, which involves money being spent, which is something historically we don't love to do. But you know, when you win, this is the cost of winning. You have to pay your guys, especially in baseball where there's no salary cap. You can afford to pay your guys. Um, you don't need to raise ticket prices at Camden Yards to do that, but that's besides the fact. Um, you said a couple other things. Yeah, we do need an arm. I don't love the idea of trading some guys like Seti and like you know Hicks because I think they're great defenders and I think they're also good veterans on the team, especially for a really young team. 
but you are like you do have to get you do have to be okay with trading people maybe if it's even like a guy like mateo who's great defensively who i like like just as a defensive guy or like mm-hmm. some other guys i think you can afford to trade so you can get an arm especially the teams that are going to be selling that have decent prospects or not even prospects just decent yeah. players uh you may do need to like go for prospects even if it's not one of your top prospects you're gonna have to get rid of some youth i think just to kind of like get a veteran it sucks but it's just the nature of baseball and maybe 60 years down low you'd be like wait you traded that guy but you don't know until you get there and like you don't know until you, you're going to have to play, you're going to give up something for it to work out to get what you want. So um, I think covered most of your points. Is there another one that I'm missing out? Um, the veteran signings, but I think you and I largely agree there. Yeah. Yeah. We agree with that. We definitely do need something where we can like take this team over the edge. Cause this team and it showed last week over the last week or so teams, very young, very, mm-hmm. very young and very inexperienced in some ways, which is fine in some ways because you play with no fear. You don't really know what to expect, but you also, don't know what to expect from the whole ball game's different in the playoffs. So I agree with that. And kind of like I agree with everything you said to kind of like put a bow in a Warriors talk for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think it's pretty straightforward. The roadmap to where we need to be, I think, has been shown to us over the last couple of days. Um, but like I said, I'm very much looking forward to this offseason, partially because I'm just excited to get the next season and I, I want the Orioles to come back, but also because like I said, it this offseason begs a lot of questions that I think need to be answered right away. And I think we're going to, or at least I hope that we get those answers sooner rather than later. Um, but anyway, just to kind of, you know, ultimately put a bow on it, Josh, I agree with what you said earlier. It's a really unfortunate and disappointing ending to what was a fantastic season. I'm, I'm thankful for what we had this season. It was a ton of fun. Uh, I was genuinely like excited to get home at, at night and watch the Orioles every single night. Um, and I'm looking forward to that for the next couple of years. Yeah, should be a great time. The future is just getting started, Baltimore. Don't don't panic. This team's gonna be very fun to watch, which is more than I can say from other some other teams at times. So hundred percent. Hundred percent. Um, so with that, we'll move on to the other team that played this weekend that we're upset about. Uh the Baltimore Ravens obviously went into Pittsburgh and lost 17 to 10. Um I don't know how much we need to harp on what actually happened because I think everybody is kind of in agreement or at least everybody that uh i would respect their opinion on at uh, to say the least uh the story of this this game as much as i hate to pawn blame off on people um it was our receivers dropping balls i think we finished the day with like eight drop passes total um three of those would have been touchdowns and two of them were on back-to-back plays so i guess you know you want to be semantical about it two touchdowns lamar should have finished with but those eight passes drop they don't include Bateman missing that deep ball down the uh down the left sideline which he was interfered with I saw a video breakdown after the fact but you know if they don't call it it's not interference so shout out to the corner for making a good play Bateman could have probably made a bigger effort to sell it or go get the ball but nevertheless that that doesn't count in those eight so really nine should have had plays there um and then that also doesn't account for the play where Zay fell uh on that deep ball where he probably would have walked into the end zone so really 10 plays that you should have had to help out your quarterback for one, but at least two or three touchdowns that you left out on the board, which obviously were a big deal at the end of the day. Yeah, they proved to be huge. And not even just we're going to I'm just going to do a quick breakdown of everything. Yeah, go ahead. Go into it. Whatever. So, yeah, uh, the first two drives drop. You drive down the field. And I think it was the second drive actually was not. Um because we think we already off seven at that point. You have a chance. I think to you're right. So yeah, 
you drive down the field, second drive of the game, and you're mowing them down. You're doing what you have to do, and you um, get to the goal line, and I think a drop pass by Mark Andrews. It was kind of a high pass, but still dropped by Mark Andrews, but he couldn't get a hand on it. It's a play Baker. you expect him to make. But yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially after play last week where he just jumps up and mosses everyone. Play you expect him to make, <laughs> right. but you know, it's Mark Andrews. I can give him like I can give him some grace because he usually makes those plays. Whatever. Bateman, right. he jumped up and ball hit him straight in the hand, straight in the chest, just drops it. I don't know. Yeah, that's excuse That's yeah, that's pretty bad. Like I, I get he came back from injury. I get he's a little rusty, but that's that's a Christmas gift, like just right there. So he set up for three points. Okay, whatever. Defense comes in, does their job. Doesn't really give them anything. Um, next drive, I think third drive of the game. You have a moving down the field again. Great screen pass to um, I almost said Buck Alley. That's definitely not his name. Justice Hill. Um, runs about 10, 15 yards. And then I noticed this. I was watching a game with a friend, which I rarely do anymore. Like, cuts inside. like, well, he should cut outside. The next thing you know, the ball is on the ground. Pittsburgh recovers. Yep. They get three on that drive. Okay. Miscuses happen. It's it's getting frustrating at this point of another miscuse happening, and you know, whatever, play the game, keep it going, like move on next play. Um, but we got to clean that up. We got to clean up the fumbles. It's getting ridiculous at this point. It's really getting ridiculous at this point. Just the amount of fumbles by our running backs, and just I agree. just in general, like even the ones that Lamar had, I don't really blame him for because the O line didn't hold up. Stanley got torched most of the game. Yeah. The edge. I I one I one thousand percent agree that that play down the end where Highsmith came off the the corner and just strip sack him. If you go back and watch, like Lamar was barely at the top of his drop. Right. So, I, like unless unless he's just getting the ball out when you need a chunk play, I think at that point we were already losing. So yeah. you need you need you need a chunk play. You need to move the ball down the field. You expect your all pro left tackle to whom you're paying a hundred million dollars to make that block or at least give your quarterback enough time to get the ball out. And he just didn't. Stanley was yeah. essentially a human turnstile there. So I agree. I don't blame the fumble on him whatsoever. Um, I th- I think Lamar played. The numbers aren't going to show it, but I think Lamar played one of the best games this season for sure. But yeah, in recent memory, like he was pressured on almost 40 percent of his dropbacks. I mean, he, like we said, he had the eight drops by his receivers, um, according to pro football focus on the season, not just this past weekend on the season, he's the most accurate quarterback in the league on throws 10 yards or more beyond the line of str- line of scrimmage. Um, mm-hmm. And he's 10% farther ahead than the number two ranked quarterback on 49 attempts in that category. So that's kind of a big deal. And to, you know, the, the cherry on top, he was pro football focuses highest rated offensive NFL player this week. And we we lost. He threw for 230 something yards, no touchdowns and one interception. So that just goes to show you that, I mean, he was doing all that he could. He showed up. He did everything that he was supposed to do. And, you know, to take it one step further, we had drops early on in the game and he still didn't get down on his guys. He was still looking for Zay every chance that he could. He still gave big yep. opportunities, right? Like Aguilar had a couple of catches early on in the first half. And even after he dropped that deep ball down the sideline, that would have been a touchdown he still did his best to try and find him when he could. So like on top of just, you know, the stats, or I guess I shouldn't say stats, but making plays, like he was still, you know, trusting in his guys doing what you want your, your quarterback and your leader to do. So it really sucks that, you know, we, we, we couldn't turn that performance into a win. Yeah. Especially since, you know, he balled out and I thought the play calling, I thought the play calling itself 
was excellent the whole game. Probably the best Todd Munkin play calling game we've seen all year. Um, you can maybe maybe the Cleveland game, but even then, like you just take care of business, so you don't really see that. But I thought Todd Munkin called an amazing game all year and got and got the ball to the right people at the right times. I mean, those guys were running wide open. They had chances to make plays. They like they were doing all these great things, and it just did not like it, the execution was just terrible. Just flat out terrible, mm-hmm. honestly. And that's not a knock on the guys. I think they're all like talented players. And I think they can be better. And I think the reason why we were so upset is because we expect these guys to do a whole lot better than what they showed last weekend. Absolutely. Um, especially guys like, and I know people are very hard on Bateman. I try not to be that guy because like you just don't, you just don't know what he can do. However, it can be frustrating as a fan to not know what your receiver hat is in your third year, especially when you see other receivers that were drafted. Um, either that year or, you know, in later years, uh, perform well and be able to stay on the field and can be consistent. The inconsistency is frustrating for everyone. I'm sure it's very frustrating for Bateman, and it's frustrating, for us, it's frustrating for us as well. Um, and again, I'm not going to beat him down too much. Um, I just, I mean, I think it's safe to say that everyone kind of expects better in that situation, you know, whatever. I, the only- I think you're absolutely right. And yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off, but before you go, go ahead, the only thing go that I want to say on Bateman is I'm I'm still as of you know Wednesday night at nine fifteen I'm still a believer in Rashad Bateman I think he's 100%. incredibly talented and I think there is a place for him in this offense to not only just you know be serviceable and sufficient but also to like I think he has all the opportunities here to to be what he wants to be and that's a star receiver like he is I mean let's just be real Odell is not lighting the world on fire right now and I personally would love to see him stick around but I don't know how long Odell is going to be here for. And Zay Flowers is still on a rookie contract. I think Zay has shown through the first couple of weeks, all the makings of what you want a receiver to be, but he's also a different type of receiver than Rashad Bateman can be, you, you know, use him in different ways. So I think Rashad Bateman definitely has at least the ceiling of a number one receiver in this offense. And I don't think my feelings on that have wavered, but what I will say, and I said this on Twitter on Sunday, for him to have the offseason that he did and say what he said about Eric DaCosta and, you know, to be as vocal as he was on social media, which I'm fine with. I th- I think on top of being athletes and kind of being, you know, for lack of better terms, zoo animals for fans, like these guys are humans too. And they have every right to act like normal humans, mm-hmm. but that comes with a caveat. And that being, you can't say what you said and act like you did and be as vocal as you were and not perform you have if you're going to talk the talk you got to walk the walk which he had the perfect opportunity to do this week and he let it go by so that's all i'll say on Rashad Bateman I still am a fan of him I still have high hopes for him but for me to not completely turn on him over the next couple weeks I'm gonna have to see more that's that's all I'll say I kind of agree with that and again I don't know what he's been through I think he's been through some personal stuff too so I'm gonna like try to lay off on him it could just be him Mm-hmm. Trying to get security for his job or whatever. But I agree with you. He does have a chance to be a really great wide receiver for us. I would like to see a lot out of Odell, too. But I will give Odell a pass because he got us Lamar back with the signing. As 100%. well as I think he's great for the locker room, keeping things light. He does know how to win. He is that veteran president Absolutely. that we had for the Ravens. Yep. Where I have an issue with is just the inconsistency of the offense in general. And I don't necessarily know what the problem is. It's not play calling. It's not. It's not like ex- it's it is execution. I don't even think it's coaching. I know the hardball haters are like out in full force and like, oh yeah, it's kind of frustrating because like, what do you expect John Harbaugh to do 
in that situation. Like John Harbaugh can't make them catch the ball. He can't. Right. Like he couldn't have coached a better. Like he could have did some things better, but the whole team could have. That was that game Sunday was an organizational failure as a whole, not just a oh that guy's a scapegoat because he had a weird look on his face or he was confused or whatever. He let the game play out. Like I don't I don't get it. I do wish he called the timeout on that fourth down. Sure. I do want to get into that that series real quick. That was probably that that fourth down where we don't get three points to kick a field goal and we hike the ball, or whatever. I don't understand why you don't call a timeout. I know we were texting back and forth of oh we can't call a timeout on back to back plays. But the clock was yeah, running which, at that point. I was gonna say I, w- I was wrong about that. So I I thought that the timeout came after third down. It actually came after second down. So right. I got mixed up there. Which if because I was like, oh, okay, it makes sense why they didn't call a timeout because they're coming off a timeout. And if you do that, it's a 15 yard penalty. So obviously Harbaugh's not gonna do that. But Obviously, like I said, I, I I got the plays mixed up and I was wrong. So yeah, you absolutely should have called a timeout and or let look, the clock, I, or let the clock run down and kick a field goal right. and get out with three points. Right, and like I'm I love that Harbaugh is aggressive. I really do. I think you're starting to see that more and more, obviously. But I think that's because it it's it like it works. Stats and analytics say the more you go for it on fourth down, the more likely you are to convert. And fourth down conversions lead to a higher probability of winning or whatever. I get all that, and and I like I said, I love the fact that Harbaugh is an aggressive coach. That being said, in that situation, early on in the game, just take the three. Don't even don't even bother with lining up trying to draw them offsides. You're already in the red zone. You have the best kicker to ever walk the planet Earth. Just take your three and move on. So like. Again, that also, may or may Steelers, not be nitpicky. Yeah. Go ahead. No, you're, I you're good. You Go but it gets the Steelers offense that had nothing going to the most of the game. Like Exactly. The reason why these offensive like plays and structures are so like, and not even structures, I'm sorry, but the plays and excuses and just the lack of execution is so frustrating for me personally is because I legit believe that this is a Super Bowl defense. And I, I agree. On one I believe thousand that, percent agree. I believe that this offense has the capabilities in like the brain power to become a Super Bowl caliber offense, especially with Lamar at the helm. Injuries do happen. I get that, but I I don't understand some of the decisions that were made. I don't understand not getting three points, especially with your defense back there. I don't understand getting cute in the goal line after getting a gift of that fumble because we were going to lose that game with that ball's return. And we don't get that fumble. We we're going to lose that game probably on that drive with the way our defense is getting tired. You get the ball on the ten yard line, and your first play is Gus up the a gap for six which was working the whole game. Like, the entire game, they couldn't do anything up the A-gaps. They were soft. That was a soft Steelers team up the middle. Linebackers yeah. and the D-tackles and everything was soft. That and they were, missing, is, they were missing their starting D-tackle due to injury. So exactly. you already have an advantage and the, there. And those edges are pretty dang good. T.J. Watt and Hayward, yeah. or like, not even Hayward, Hightower, I think, are really good. Why are you running to their side? I don't understand that pitch play to Mark Andrews on second down. I thought that was way too cute. And just way too stupid and sexy, like sexy of a call. That was like an Andy yes. Reid type of call. Yes. Like just or Greg Roman type of call, worst of all. Not the real <laughs> Greg Roman under the bus. But that was way too cute to like for a Ravens Steelers game. Like punch him in the mouth and like it's Ravens Steelers. If you have something that's working, like I'm gonna not say that because that could have been very bad. Um <laughs> I was gonna say something. No, I was gonna no, say something Josh, so wild. I, I completely agree. And I was literally saying yeah. the same thing. I was like you you get like you said you're you're absolutely right you get an absolute gift on the special teams turnover right you start with the ball i think they were at like the eight yard line or something you start regardless yeah. you start in a red start in a red zone you give the ball to gus on first down and he picks up four yards give it to him again why not like he's back there it's the same thing that we did in cincinnati with getting too cute with the 2v sneak when you have jk dobbs in the game 
trust your yes. running backs that you have signed to go get those yards, especially when your interior O-line is killing it. Lindenball, besides that one snap, had a decent game blocking. Like, yep. they're, your O-line interior, Zettler, all those guys, they're getting great pushes in the middle. Why not, like, reward them for that and get the ball in, like, Gus's hands and put the game away? And at the very least, too, if you're not if you're if you don't want to give the ball back, like if for whatever reason, let's just give Todd Munkin the benefit of the doubt and say he was expecting them to sell out to stop the run between the tackles. Okay, sure. Last week, Lamar ran two touchdowns in on zone reads, and you already saw on one design play early on in the game where everybody sold out on the run fake and Lamar pulled it and he had nobody in front of him for 15 yards. Run that play on second down. Right. Because then. Regard like if you put the ball in Lamar's hands, you have to expect that you're picking up at least two or three yards. That puts you knocking on the door of the goal line, and then you give it to Gus right behind Ricard, or you know you do you throw the ball like whatever the whatever the case is. Why did you get Pat Ricard the ball? Right, like that's another and that's another thing too in regards to like pass protection late in the game, like third fourth quarter. They stopped. They did exactly what they did against Indianapolis, and they stopped using Pat Ricard to help on the outside, and it, it bit him in the ass. But I 1,000% agree. I said the same exact thing. We were getting too cute, and that pitch call to Mark Andrews. That pitch call to Mark Andrews is the play that you run on that fourth down if you're going to go for it in the second quarter or the first quarter, whenever it was. That Linderbaum snapped the ball when he wasn't supposed to. You run that early in the game. You don't run that late in the game when your defense is gassed because you can't give them points. And the, the Steelers' offense was like starting to finally figure it out. Figure it out kind of not really. At that point, like you said, it's Ravens Steelers. You got you got way too cute with it. Give, give the ball to your running back who falls forward for four yards every time he touches the football, and take your six and walk away with a win like that. Right. And I understand everybody saying that you know the the interception from Lamar. You have to be better in that situation, and and yep. I don't care if you shouldn't be in that situation. You are. Look, I think personally this. this this is just me talking here. I, I would have assumed that this was kind of a unanimous take, but apparently I'd be wrong. Lamar made one bad play in that game on Sunday, and it was the interception. Or Dan Orlovsky, shout out to him, did a really good breakdown on NFL Live Monday afternoon showing mm-hmm. why that play specifically ran out of the shotgun is bound to fail. And he talked about because he's out of shotgun versus you know under center in a two- or three-step drop – the timing for the receiver to get separation is not there because it's press coverage and he's lined out wide versus in the slot. Like he did a really good job. And I would, I would implore everybody to go watch it if you're interested. Um, But another thing too, like talk about getting too cute with it. I love Odell Beckham, but why are we throwing him a goal line fade? Like, cause you think that he can go up and get the ball and make a jump play. But like, again, I also just hate fade routes on the goal line. Like, I do. I do too. They never I do too. I, they never work. I, 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 if it were up to me, I would throw every single one of them out of the playbook. But if you're going to throw one, why are you throwing to a 5'11 receiver who, who is making his first start after two weeks on injury when you have a 6'5 all world tight end that can go up and get it off the top shelf? If you're going to throw a goal line fade, it should be going to him. Uh, yeah. I, 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 you're not wrong. Or even Bateman or even Aguilar can go up and make it. Well, you know, they can. In theory, make a catch. In theory, they can make a catch. But yeah, you don't give it to Odell in that situation. And you also, I didn't get that. I didn't get that. Also, why not go under center and do a play action if you're going to do a fade or like a post route with the tight end, like jam everyone in? Yeah. And and that was another thing that Dan Orlovsky was harping on was like, if you're under center, not only do you give the receiver an extra step to get separation, but you also at least pose the threat of a run, you know? So like, 
it freezes everybody on the defense. So like multiple multiple threats of a run because Lamar can pull that back and see something that you know we don't see or he like you know he sees. Be like, okay, exactly. the state's not there. I can tuck this and run it in and win the game. Just an incredibly frustrating game, and I thought a wasted defensive effort when the defense showed out and like basically shut yes. them down for three and a half quarters. Um, yeah, and I think I think that's kind of why Patrick Queen was so frustrated after the game. He had the he had the quote where he was like, you know, it's the same shit every week or whatever. And like honestly, I I liked the quote from him. It it shows that like one he cares, like he gives a shit, and two, it it hopefully is going to force the offense to figure some stuff out. Like like I said, I don't think it's Lamar's fault nearly that we lost this game, but like hopefully that'll put a little bit more stress on, you know, the running backs holding the football. I think I texted you Sunday after the justice Hill fumble, like ball security is job security. And these, these running backs need to start holding onto the football before they lose their jobs. But yeah, like hopefully it'll, it'll light a fire under the offense saying like, Hey, we have to start capitalizing in the red zone. We have to start holding onto the football. We have to start putting up points when our defense and special teams give us gifts. Like we got late in the game. So we're not finding ourselves constantly in those situations against teams that flat out are not as good as us. We outperformed in every facet of the game. We ran more plays than them on offense. We had more total yards, more average yards per play, more first downs, more time of possession, less penalties. You name it, we probably did it better on Sunday than the Steelers. And the only reason that we walked away with a loss was because we couldn't capitalize when it counted. Yeah, absolutely. And it's very frustrating because he lost the last six or seven to Pittsburgh. And I thought we'd been a better team more often than not in that rivalry. Um, I hate, I mean, obviously everyone in Baltimore hates losing to that game does mean a whole lot more. If you can't give them mm-hmm. confidence in this division, that's not a good football team. I don't care what anyone says. That is not a good football team. And I understand Mike Tom is an amazing coach in, as the mm-hmm. underdog position, but as a football team, they're kind of soft up the middle and their offense is garbage, like actual like garbage. I mean, like, you got you got Pittsburgh Penguins fans. Garbage. You you have Pittsburgh Penguins games breaking out into a fire Matt Canada chant, like after a game that they won. That should tell you all you need to know. Yeah, it's it's not great. Um, and yeah, it's not great up there. Um, I they can't they can't keep relying on their defense to win games like this. This is not that's not mm-hmm. sustainable football. But you gave them a game and also the lead in the division. So like, what what are you gonna do? And granted, I know if he said, hey, if you go 2-1 to the division on the, all the road games, like you're 4-2 in the season, or I, I think, we're, what, what's that record? 4-2? 3-2. 3-2. 3-2. 3-2. 3-2 division, and you go 3-1 and in like, you know, like 2-1 in like AFC North road games. I feel like in the beginning of the year, we would take that, but this is not good enough the way we're playing right now. This team has, should be 5-0, honestly. Yeah. Granted, you're going you're gonna to have one slip away. I, I understand it's football. No one can be perfect. But this team should be in a lot better position, and it falls on, like, the whole organization to get together. And this is not me calling for anyone's head. I still think John Hall is definitely the guy. I told Agreed. you last week I think he's a Hall of Fame coach. I still think he's a Hall of Fame coach. I quite frankly don't understand the criticism that he's getting right now. I mean – I, I'm with you, too. And that was one thing that it. stood out to me this week. Like, the hardball guys the, – I should say the fire hardball guys are just going to come out whenever they get a chance to. So, like, I, I'm kind of numb to that at this point. But – I can't remember if I said this to you or if I said this to somebody else, but regardless, my feeling after the game was the the game plan was obviously sound. Like it was right. abundantly clear that the game plan was exactly what it needed to be to win that game. And sure, you know, like not calling a timeout on that fourth down or even sending them out there and trying to draw offsides and other stuff here and there. Obviously, like the bad visual of him looking like he was confused on the sideline. Like, sure, you can nitpick, but regardless like 
the the game plan to win the game was in place. It was solely on the execution that we didn't win this game. And you know, you you talk about this the Steelers team. I I don't know that I would go as far to say I don't think they're a good football team. I think they are extremely well coached, specifically under Mike Tomlin, which probably yes. makes up for a lot of I'll call them inequities that this roster is showing at this current moment in time. Um, but you know, we said it on on Wednesday or Thursday last week. Throughout the record books, when it comes to Raven Steelers, it's always going to be a, a fight. And I think what's the most frustrating thing about this one was it really shouldn't have been. Like, we dominated six ways to Sunday, and we left with nothing to show for it. We basically, like, had them on their knees begging for their life, and we just did not kill them. And that's yeah. frustrating because you're, you're supposed to kill them. Um, you're supposed to take them out their misery, like, immediately and take their heart. Yes. Off. And you let them stick around, and they they just, you know, they do what they do. They come back and bite you. You can't keep your pets alive. You got to kill them, especially if they're rabbit like that. So, and I was a little bit, I was a little bit harsh to say they're not a good team. They are an extremely well coached team, and mm-hmm. they play hard. I don't think they're that talented on the offensive end, but again, that's just roster building, or whatever. Their defense is the real deal. Um, yes, that's for damn for the sure. most part. They're at least their front seven's the real deal, and I think Jody Porter Jr. is pretty good too. I was just about um, to say, TJ Watt. I said this earlier today to one of my buddies. He is like literally going to be a Hall of Famer. Alex Highsmith, very good. You're seeing obviously why they paid him. Patrick Peterson, he you know he didn't have the best game on Sunday, but he made plays when he needed oh, to. And I told you, Joey Porter they, Jr. Joey Porter Jr. Shout, shout out to him. Yeah, Joey Porter Jr. had a great game. Penn State guy. Um, yep. I told you guys, Dave Flowers is going to have his way, like route wise, with Patrick Peterson. He caught the ball. I would have been looking like a genius. Um, Man, if he if, if Zay Flowers doesn't have the drops, we're looking at a hundred yard game from him. Yeah, easily in his first career touchdown, if not a couple career touchdowns on um, that game. Yeah. So very rough outing, very frustrating. Um, I think we're going to need to see something going into the next year that proves, hey, this team's actually serious and for real. Uh, you can't limp into a victory for this game. You gotta. You got to take it to the Titans, um, who are mm-hmm. starting to find their stride. Um, yeah, yeah um, they looked better last week. Yeah, do you want to get into that series? You want to wrap up the Steelers talk a little bit, or what? Yeah, I think. I mean, we we really hit on everything that I wanted to talk about uh, regarding this game. Just my final thoughts are: I said to you on last week's episode, we needed to ter- win the turnover differential. We did not do that. We needed to win in the trenches. We really should. We did in the first half. Uh, when it came down to the first fourth quarter, I think we got a little tired and we let them kind of bully us a bit up front. Um, and outside of the, you know, the drop opportunities, drop touchdowns. Like I said, we had that game one, six ways to Sunday and we just, we left it on the field. We beat ourselves, uh, which unfortunately, you know, we're five weeks in, I think it's time to start make, or excuse me. I think it's time to stop making excuses and just say, you know, we need to be better. And I think this game is kind of what separates us, in my opinion, from the 49ers and the Eagles. And, you know, you could throw the Chiefs and the Bills, even though the Chiefs and the Bills, I really don't think are looking like world beaters at this point. I think to to me, the the 49ers are always going to be the barometer for what a Super Bowl caliber team looks like, especially this year. And that's a game on Sunday that the 49ers don't lose like in fact when they played the Steelers early on in the year they beat them by like 30 points and that's exactly what the Ravens should have done but they didn't and that's why to me I don't think I can put us in that you know Super Bowl tier yet I think our defense is Super Bowl caliber I 100% believe in that but until we stop making these unsound mistakes I just don't see us being in the same conversation 
I think we're close to being there. I think once we fix the mistakes, we are there. I, I mean, I think that they're yeah. right now the 49ers are world beaters. I think the Eagles are world beaters right now. I think they eventually mm-hmm. cool off a little bit, especially the Eagles. Um, just a I little agree. bit, though. But they're world beaters right now. They clearly look head and shoulders above everyone else. But the AFC is not that not that stacked. I, you can point to everyone nope. and say they have issues. So I think if we clean it up, and plus, football is not one in the first five weeks. It's about kind of like baseball, who gets hot at the right time. If we can keep this stretch going and kind of just play better sound football, I think we can build momentum going to a really tough end of the season. Because that mm-hmm. end of the season is no joke. You got 49ers, Dolphins, the Steelers again. You got the Bengals, who I think will be playing better then. So Char- Chargers gotta, are going to be coming to Chargers, town. Good, Jack, like, Jacksonville good teams. talented. Good teams. Yep. You got to pick up wins now and like fix this so we can like yes. have postseason football in Baltimore again. So we'll see. We'll see. Definitely, I'm not panicking, but I'm not happy with how we're playing. So Yeah. I, I don't know that I'd say I'm panicking yet, but I'm definitely I'm definitely disappointed and frustrated with some of the issues that we're having at this point. Like, it's not the first couple of weeks anymore. It's not guys getting their feet under them. And I know injuries and inconsistencies in the starting lineup is what it is. But bottom line, it's week five. We're going into week six now. And week six is essentially a must-win game because, like you said, the schedule later on is much tougher than what we've had. And if we're sitting here at 4-1 and one or even 5-0 and oh, like we really should be, we're talking about, okay, now I think it's right to mention us in the conversation with the San Francisco's and the Phillies of the league. But because we're not, and because we have that looming presence of the strength of schedule remaining, which I think is like third hardest or something. I saw something on Twitter. It's not easy. So like you said, we have to get wins now, which I think is exactly why this game against the Titans on Sunday is a must-win game. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely must-win. For sure. For sure, must-win. Um, and it's yeah. gonna be a tough must one too. So I know you want to get into it. So I'll let you set that yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll segue right into it. So obviously we're kicking off at 9:30 a.m. We're playing in London. Cheerio. Um, Ravens are a four-point favorite heading into the game. Last time I checked, the over/under is 41 on the number. Um, we just spent a bunch of time talking about what went wrong in the Steelers game, and I think that's exactly why I don't feel as confident as I would like to going into this game. Um, I don't honestly, I don't feel confident at all. To be frank, I think. On paper, I think based off of what I've seen with my eyeballs, I think the Ravens just flat out are the better team. But I thought that going into last week, and we saw how that turned out. I thought that going into the Colts game, and we saw how that turned out. I'm at the point now where the Ravens were like, I don't know if I'll, I don't know if I'll ever be confident going into a game because I know what the fuck could happen. So I would love to be. I think we have a better roster. I think our defense is good enough to stop what their offense has. But like you said earlier, they're starting to figure some stuff out. DeAndre Hopkins is coming off of his best game as a Titan, eight catches for 140 yards. And I think he might've even had a touchdown thrown in there. Um, I just pray that all the self-inflicted wounds that happened in Pittsburgh and happened against the Colts. And even in a couple of those games that we won get ironed out because if not, I think we're bordering on the season slipping away from us really quickly. Yeah, I agree, which would be a huge disappointment considering the expectations we had going into the season. Um, yes. I don't think the season would be over, but it's not looking great, and I'm going to be pissed for the rest of the year, probably, and this team wouldn't be fun to watch. Um, with all that being said, you got to take care of business Sunday, and the first starts for stopping, you know, Derrick Henry. I feel yep. like I've been saying this for the last, like, five, ten years at this point, but he is the thing that makes the Titans go. 100%. Braves fans, unfortunately, know what Derrick Henry can do thanks to January 11, 2020. Um, probably one of the worst days of my life where he, like, you know, single-handedly Agreed. crushed my hopes and dreams. 
Um, yeah, I, I don't like this team. I feel like I say that every week now, but we've just had a stretches of teams I don't like. I really don't like the Titans. Um, this is kind of like a new age rivalry. Like we do have ever since 2019 and 2020, we do have beef with them. And like, I, I like it. I like when football is shitty and petty and there there's beef going on. Like, you know, the whole Michael Parsons and, and George Kittle, Debo Samuel thing. I love that. I think football yeah. is better when there's stuff like that going on. Um, makes me a little bit upset that we don't have Marcus Peters because he always got up when we played the Titans. Exactly. So. Yeah, we like, need, yeah, we we don't like this team. We don't like this team, and we don't like this team. Not even just the new age rivalry from 2019, 2020, 2021, but going back to the early 2000s with the Ray Lewis and Eddie George days in the old like AFC Central Conference. We don't like this team. I oh, still yeah. I have the video saved on my phone somewhere. Brian be like just saying like turn off those cameras and f the Titans. Like hell yeah, very much my sentiments this week. Like I I mean there I I do like Malik Willis a lot, Liberty guy, great quarterback, probably the best quarterback in Liberty history. Do you think he's a great guy? I love the city of Nashville. Don't like the Titans. Um, I don't like Ryan Tannehill anymore. Like, screw that guy. I think he's like the weirdest, like Jekyll and Hyde quarterback there ever was. I don't like Mike Vrabel. I don't like Mike Vrabel. I understand why people like Me him. Either. I don't like him. Um, and this is going to be like, pull up, bring your lunch pail, like, you know, sharpen your knife, sharpen your sword, like old school, like English football, like English football. Wow. Um, wow, that was bad. Uh, <laughs> hey, you got you got London on the brain. I got London on the brain, and it will be like a it will be like a it will be like an old school ugly. All right, so I can fix this. There is going to be like an old school like English Premier League like ugly rough night in Stoke type of game where it's going to be ugly. It's not going to be pretty. Probably going to be low scoring, and you mm-hmm. just got to impose your will on this team and beat them. Like this defense, we keep praising this defense for how good they are. We keep praising this linebacking core for how good they are. You have to prove how good you are by hitting Derrick Henry and getting him on the ground. You also have to hit Ryan Tannehill and stay disciplined and not bite for these like play action fakes. Um, I think if you do that, you win the game defensively and you're like taking them out the game. You got to take their heart out. Like hit Derrick Henry. Don't let him get downfield. Just crush him and make his life miserable. These arm tackles aren't going to work. Wrap him up and just hit him and like fall. Wrap him up and fall. And you got to disrupt Tannehill. Tannehill will give you a game. Um, I can see Tannehill having a multi-interception game this week. Um, that'll be my bold prediction for this week. Um, so, yeah, it's just defensively, you got to hit them and you got to make them uncomfortable all game, and it has to be consistent and don't get worn down. Offensive side of the ball, I'm, I feel like the broken record saying this, but my keys to the game, I guess, is going to be for the offensive side. Take care of the football. Do right. not drop a pass. Do not fumble. Do not give them any hope. Put them out their misery early. Take care of the football. And I think another key is similar to what I said about the Bengals games. You got to have long sustaining drives, like yes. long sustaining drives where you're scoring and getting points after them, not just going down the field and pissing it away. Like they pissed away everything else this week. You got to like, you can't take the piss. You got to like score and get long sustaining drives for this game. Um, as far as getting long, and the reason why you have to get long sustaining drives for this game is because you give your defense a break and they do not have to face Derrick Henry and they're not getting hit mm-hmm. as much. And if you score, they're gonna have to throw the ball more. Can't rely just on Derrick Henry to like um, to wear you down and break you and grind you. So you gotta go out and bully this team. They're gonna try to bend you over. It's like deep, like the guys are just gonna try to bend you over and bully you. You can't let that happen. You gotta stay up. You gotta like protect yourself. And you gotta punch them in the mouth and be able to get mm-hmm. punched in the mouth. Um, coaching, you gotta outcoach the team too. I don't think Brable's the best coach in the world, but he did win coach of the year last year, not a year before that. So, um, yeah, I think it was two seasons ago. Yeah, two seasons ago. Yeah, you're right. Um, 
you just got to be smart and got to take care of the football and bully them and play tough physical football. This is going to be a ugly game. Just get out of London with the win. And who do you play next? Uh, I forgot, but let's not look at too Detroit. much. You just gotta, yeah, in, yeah, get out alive, and then you have a tough Detroit team come to town, and you play them at home, luckily. So we'll see what happens for sure. But, but that's my key. Just take care of the football. Be ready for an all-out war and grind out this game and don't make mistakes. You've got to catch passes when they're thrown to you. You just you just yeah. have to catch passes when they're thrown to you. So, um, yeah. so you I, need to play a definitely game. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Derrick Henry is the straw that stirs the drink over there. They also have a really good number two uh, rookie, Tajay Spears, who I believe is from Tulane, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. I might be wrong there. Um, he's looked really good uh, with the ball in his hands over the last couple of weeks. And he's kind of like a very, like he's, it's very much like a thunder and lightning sort of thing that they got going on back there. I will say this in, in, in to kind of pile on to your key to victory of stopping Derrick Henry. That's always going to be my first thing on the docket for whenever we play the Titans, because I like you don't think Tannehill is that good of a quarterback. I remember the year that they gave him that big extension. I think they gave him like $130 million. I was saying the only reason that he is getting that and they had the success that they had was because Derrick Henry was unfucking stoppable, especially in that playoff run. And for whatever reason, they saw that as a reason to give Tannehill all that money, but I digress. Derrick yeah, Henry, yeah. Derrick Henry needs to be held in check. You can only do so much of that when it comes to Derrick Henry. I think he's one of the best running backs that's ever played football. I think he's incredibly good. And he's if you could believe it, I think he's underrated. Um the Titans are 2-0 and when he surpasses 80 yards rushing this year. In each of their three losses, he has had less than 80 yards on the ground. So if you hold him to 80 yards rushing or less and you make Tannehill put the ball in the air, I think your probability to win this game goes significantly up than it was before. So I, I agree with you 100%. That's my first key to victory. My second key to victory, and kind of like you alluded to there at the end, don't shoot yourself in the fucking foot. Do not put the ball on the ground. Do not throw interceptions. Do not make careless mistakes on fourth down when you're just trying to draw them off sides and you should take three versus not even whatever the case may be. The self-inflicted wounds over and over and over again need to stop. We are at week six of 18. It's time to get all that shit ironed out. Okay. If you continuously give opponents in the NFL opportunities to beat you you will lose more than you will win we saw that last week and it will not stop for as long as we make those errors so that's my second key to victory right i mentioned keeping derrick henry in check to kind of piggyback off of that my third key to victory is the defense is just going to have to play like you said a dominating brand of football i think they did that for three and a half quarters last week you got to put together a solid 60 minutes of football on the defensive side especially and Maybe the only reason I'm confident that we could do that this week above any other week. Thinking back to that January 11th, 2020 game against the Titans. If Roquan Smith is on that field, that game goes an entirely different way. Yep. Roquan is by all accounts, by every definition of the word, a dog. And I think given the opportunity, which I know we'll have, and I mean, we could say this every week, Roquan has a great week every week. But I think this could potentially be a Roquan game where he, you know, he wrecks shop and he hits Derrick Henry for a couple of plays in the backfield and blows it up, whatever the case may be. I think this is going to be half the game going to have to be a game where, like you said, the linebackers are going to have to take over. Roquan and Patrick Queen have to be all over the field. They have to be on Derrick Henry as soon as he touches the football. 
I know they kind of say it jokingly, but like not really. Big Cat and PFT said it on part of my take. We're approaching Tractor Cedo season. You yeah, know? we are. If you hit him early, don't let him get He's anywhere. So defense has to be really, really on top of it. Tennessee's offensive line, I don't know how great they are. I know they have um, – uh, I believe they have Peter Skaronsky, if I'm not mistaken. They drafted him in the first round, I think. Not entirely sure. But nevertheless, Clowney needs to be doing exactly what he's been doing over the last couple of weeks. Kyle yep. Van Noy, I think, is getting better every game that he plays with us. Um, I would love to see Adafe Owe out there this week, although I don't think that sounds likely. Um, Tyus Bowser, I know, has been working out. I don't think they've designated him to return from IR yet. But nevertheless, we need to put pressure on their offensive line. You do that. And like I said, make Tannehill beat you. Your I think your percentage of or your probability, I should say, of winning goes way, way up. Last two things kind of go hand in hand. First is on offense, run the damn ball, please. Zach Moss last week had 165 yards on 23 carries. I don't care if you split it between Gus and Justice Hill, whoever is not going to put the ball on the ground. Run the damn ball. Run the damn ball. I'm going to say it again. Run the damn ball. And then lastly, kind of on the flip side, going back to the whole defensive thing, just don't let DeAndre Hopkins beat you. You know, if it's if it's going to be Marlon Humphrey, I know we don't necessarily do shadow coverage all that much, but if it's going to be Marlon Humphrey, if it's going to be Brandon Stevens, whatever the case may be, you cannot let him beat you. Roll coverage, you know, double him if you need to. Whatever, if you're going to stop Derrick Henry, if you're going to sell out to stop Derrick Henry, make sure you have an answer for DeAndre Hopkins. Yep, Absolutely. I would even put Rockus in in there because he's been having some good breakups as well. So sure. and Kyle Hamilton can play all over the field. I expect him to have a really big game. Him and Matt Abike, I expect to have a really good game someday. Mm-hmm. Or at least I would hopefully have a really good game someday if we're going to win. Um, but you also, like I think you know, you mentioned this before, you can't let Derrick Henry get to our secondary defense. Like if he gets past yes. our linebackers and like you have like guys who want like Kyle Hamilton like trying to hit him, it's not it's not going to go well. It's just straight up not going to go well. Um yeah, dude, you got to keep him off the field, and you got to make him put this ball in the air, and you you got to get points, and you got to strike early and often. You can't you can't yes. piss away drives. I'm sick of pissing away drives and like scoring opportunities. It's kind of frustrating at this point. Um, Me too. Yeah, that I mean that's the game plan. We'll see how they execute. That's that's the big question. We can say game plan all you want. These guys got to execute better. Just as simple mm-hmm. as that. And I don't know how you practice executing better, but they just. Everyone outside, an office side that's not named Lamar Jackson has to execute better. Just simple as that. Hopefully the execution this week includes a jugs machine being brought to England with them because I tweeted it like half joking and being uh, hyperbolic on, on, on Twitter a- Sunday afternoon, but not really. Everybody who considers themselves a pass catcher in the Ravens offense should have taken 200 reps on the jugs machine every day this week because we can't have that yeah. happen again. Just can't. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, uh, Josh, that was really all that I had regarding the game this week. I ran through all my keys of victory. We really hit all the big talking points. Um, I, we Real quick, we could talk about injuries. Uh, I saw Jeff Z's tweet earlier this afternoon. Both Pat McCarry and Morgan Moses were back on the practice field, which I think is huge okay. for us. I don't know if they were limited or, or whatever, but both of them were dressed. It sounded like Macari was definitely in there working. So I would assume he's good to go. But with the Ravens, I never want to assume anything. Right. Um, I think as much as I hate to be that guy, I think we absolutely need Morgan Moses out there this week. Uh, once I like Macari, I think he's more than serviceable as a swing guy. But once he got hurt and we put Falele in there, Falele got exposed. 
And I'd rather yeah. just not even have to worry about that. If if we can have Morgan Moses in there and Stanley can be, you know, not porous like he was at the end of the game last week. Uh, I think that bodes well for us. Um, Traylon Burks, their receiver, uh, their number two receiver. He missed last week. He didn't practice all week with a knee. Um, I don't, I haven't looked at their injury report, so I don't know what his deal is. And then Tyre Tart, I believe his name is offensive lineman for them. He also did not practice all last week and missed last five last week, uh, week five with a toe injury. Like I said, I didn't check their injury report, but that's how that looks. Um, both teams probably going to be pretty healthy. So, uh, yeah, like you said, game plan's got to be sound and we got to go out and execute. Healthiest will probably be all season, honestly, just with our luck. Just yeah, really being honest with you. Um, yeah, but yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. We'll definitely see how that goes, though. So, hopefully, you can come out healthy and you know, come out with a win. That'd be great. So, yeah. Uh, before we move away, any final thoughts on the Ravens Titans game? Win this game, bully them, win this game. Um, don't get you got to dominate them, man. You, you, we. Baltimore Ravens fans need a convincing win on Sunday. I'm sure we'll be happy with any sort of win, but and you really want to put us yeah. at ease, clean up the mistakes, just have a good win. That's all I got to say. Yeah, yeah. My last don't, word. Don't ruin our Sunday. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Was, <laughs> no, you're good. No, yeah, definitely don't ruin our Sunday. Don't ruin our Sunday before before noon. That would be a rough. That'll be a rough start to a Sunday if it gets ruined at 12 o'clock. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, but you're absolutely right. Um, last, last, last thing, last final thoughts I'll say on this. I said it with the Steelers uh, game. I'll say it again. Just keep it simple. Don't get too cute. Run the ball. Play solid defense. Lamar, take care of the football. Running backs, take care of the football. Get home with a win and get home healthy and go from there. Yep. I agree with that. I agree with that. All right, Josh, before we get out of here, let's talk a little bit of college football. Um, I actually, I, I didn't have a chance to watch as much college football as I would like, would have liked to last week because I last minute went to the Orioles game on Saturday. Yeah. Um, but I, I was watching the Maryland Ohio state game at pickles before the game. Um, it looked like for what I saw, Maryland was in control. They, they were at least in the game for most of it. And then I think there was a pick six that kind of flipped the game on its head. Um, we talked about it a little bit last week, Maryland's opponents going into that game. were not great. And that was really their first test. And I, think outside of a couple big mistakes which you know you're gonna have i think maryland came out of that at least you think of them okay like you know we're, we're close yeah. they're, they're close to bowl eligibility they're probably gonna play in a bowl game hopefully they yeah. play in a big one but look i think loxley has has done a really good job i think talia has done a really good job and i i thought up until the end i thought they they played a pretty decent game yeah, I, I think Loxley has done a great job. He's flipped the culture on this team in a much like a much needed situation. Um he has the team believing that they can compete. They did compete, I thought, for about two and a half, three quarters. Um and Mike Loxley has done a great job with this team. I think he'll continue to do a great job. And I think they went against Illinois this Saturday. Um Talia is good. I wish he was great. He is good. Um mm-hmm. great talent, great arm, good leader. Wish you would make better decisions when it comes to ball and clock management. I got really mm-hmm. frustrated with him after that um that third down, like similar to the Ravens, where you, you try to make a play, you just run out of time, and instead of just throwing the ball to the end zone or four first down, he's just incomplete. He just throws it to a running back, checks down, and wastes 13 seconds, and we don't get points, much needed points after halftime. I was very frustrated with him after that call and that play. Um, but I think he is a great quarterback, and he he can lead a team to a good bowl. If we win Saturday, I think we're bowl eligible, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It would be huge for us. Um, 
and then you can just worry about the game by game situations. You know, I know we have a couple of big games with Penn State and uh, Michigan coming up, um, but rest of the schedule pretty winnable. So we'll see mm-hmm. how that goes. Yeah, and before we talk about this weekend slate, uh, I have to I have to show some love to the Louisville Cardinals. Uh, they yeah. played a really good game against Notre Dame. Who obviously I'm a Notre Dame fan, and and Notre Dame has a really good team this year. But for whatever reason, Sam Hartman continues to struggle with Louisville. They I think they had a really good game plan going into the game. Um, I don't know the name of their coach, but I, I think he had those boys ready to go. Oh, and... I should know this. He <laughs> was the guy at Cincinnati last year. Um, not Luke Fickle. Um, I was gonna say yeah, Luke Fickle's in Wisconsin. Who either Louisville's coach went to Cincinnati or I'm I'm just gonna Google this, but I know yeah. I know he's pretty solid. I just can't think of his name. Um but but yeah, I mean while you're looking that up, I I watched a little bit of it. I ended up going out with some friends Saturday night, but I watched a little bit at the bar and they just they outplayed Notre Dame. They they kept Sam Hartman in check and they got out with a win, a really big win. And like I said, Sam Hartman just continues to struggle with Louisville. I think this probably takes Notre Dame out of contention for the college football playoff, unless just a bunch of crazy shit happens for the rest of the year and you know, what have you. But yeah, as I had to, I had to show some love to the Louisville Cardinals because they played a really good game Saturday night. They did. They did. They played a really good game and their coach is uh, Jeff Grom, um, who was pretty best coach last couple of years or last year and took them yes. to a big Ten title. So yes. their team's going to be hard-nosed, fight hard, and play how well. And they did have a good game against Notre Dame. Notre Dame, it's a tough – they have had a tough schedule, like a sneaky tough schedule. They really year. have, man. I mean, I don't know if any, if many people were expecting Duke to be as good as they have been this year, but to go to, to go from Ohio State to playing Duke to playing Louisville, like that's a tough stretch. I mean, at, yeah. at least evidently that we're finding. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, you play who you play, and Louisville was just the better team on Saturday. Yeah, and great environment in Louisville as well. I know that 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 team means a lot to their fan bases. I, yeah, definitely, so, definitely. That team means a lot to them. Uh, yeah. So anyway, let's uh, let's talk about this weekend slate. Who uh, who you got your eyes on this week as far as games though? I mean, the main matchup that everyone's talking about, which I also have my eye on, is going to be the Oregon Washington game. Both undefeated teams. Thanks. ABC three thirty kickoff. You're, this is going to be a fun game. Bo Nix versus um Kyle Penix. Michael Penix. Uh, Michael Penix. I don't know why I said Kyle. Michael Penix. Two great quarterbacks. Two quarterbacks that should be coming out this year. Um, two Heisman transfers. Candidates. Two Heisman candidates. Two transfers as well. I'll be curious to see who wins this game. Um, I think whoever wins this game has a good chance of making the playoffs, honestly. Especially the Pac-12 I, Dude, I 1,000% agree. As, honestly, as far as, I, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I watched a little bit of um, the Arizona-USC game Saturday night as well. And from yeah. what I've seen out of USC, man, they are very, very beatable. More so than they were last year, and I think, uh, I think the Pac-12 is absolutely going to have at least one representative in the college football playoff. Uh, and personally, if I were, you know, if I were going to wager on it, I think it's going to be whoever wins this game. I think, pers- I think I haven't watched a ton of Washington football. I've only watched, you know, maybe one and some change games worth of Oregon football. But uh, Bo Nix is balling. Their defense is good. They have they have a good offensive line, which is important in college football. So uh, I I like the Ducks here catching two and a half. Josh, I know you can't gamble, but yeah, from my point of view, I, I like the Ducks getting two and a half here. I think this is going to be a fantastic game. I do too. I think it's going to be a shootout. Honestly, I think you're going to see both quarterbacks on display, mm-hmm. and I think you'll see a couple of the key defensive plays here and there. But I think both these teams are really good and poised to make a good run, and this is going to be a fun Pac-12 future Big 12 game. So we'll see how mm-hmm. that goes. <laughs> future um, Big 12. <laughs> 
I mean, Big Ten. Yeah, Big Big Ten, Big Ten, Big Ten game. Big Ten. I yeah. mean, I'm not wrong. I mean, these are two. I Big honestly, Ten I I complete I completely forgot until you said that that they were moving to the Big Ten. I completely forgot about that. It's going to be weird. Save for this last moment, the, co- the last week of college football is this year because it's going to completely change next year. So, oh, yeah. um, other games still looking out for just a quick rundown. Auburn LSU should be a really fun game. I expect a lot of points. In that game, just I think LSU has a great quarterback and their defense is terrible. So I think that's going to be a fun game. Auburn, uh, LSU, Tiger Bowl at Death Valley. Um, Kansas mm-hmm. State, Texas Tech is a random fun Big 12 game. Um, weird things happen in Lubbock at nighttime. Um, that's true. Just weird things happen, weird vibes. And K State's always a good, has a decent football team. So that should be a fun game to watch. USC at Notre Dame. Uh, the battle for the gold of Shalele, I think. Um, yes, sir. In South Bend, I wouldn't be surprised if Notre Dame wins this one. Honestly, I don't think USC's defense is that good, and I think Sam Hartman's going to have a good bounce back game. If you take anything away from this podcast and like how I feel about Notre Dame, I'm going to be a Sam Hartman fan. So therefore, I yep. think Notre Dame can win each game because they finally look, have a quarterback that can be good. Look, like I said, USC is very beatable. Obviously, Caleb Williams is an absolute stud. Most likely going to be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. But their defense is not good. Their defense is super, super porous. Uh, I think Sam Hartman coming off of the loss at Louisville, I think he he knows he has to show out and he has to show something, whether it be just for personal pride or if he has NFL aspirations, which I'm sure he does. Um, yeah. And also, I think Marcus Freeman is the right guy to help them bounce back from last week. I love yeah. Marcus Freeman. I've been very outspoken about how much I love him. So, look, the, the Irish right now are a two-and-a-half-point favorite over number 10 USC as the number 21 seed right now. So look, take, take with that what you will. I, uh, I, I'm with you. I would not be surprised one bit if Notre Dame walks away winning this game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I actually think they will, especially since against Southland at night. Um, two more games. I'm just going to talk about, like just mention quickly, just a fun watch Missouri at Kentucky, which you would think would be weird for a sec game. Both these teams are five and one could easily be undefeated and both play a hard no style of football. and have good offenses. That should be a fun game in Lexington, Kentucky. And my last game to look out for, UCLA at Oregon State. UCLA has a really good defense. Um, they're a really good defense to Chip Kelly's head coach. Um, I know Eagles fans that listen to this podcast just kind of like had a shudder that I mentioned his name. I'm sorry. It's not my fault. But uh, And you have Oregon State with DJ Uyungle out there being a quarterback. I think that's going to be a fun late game to kind of like, I don't know what times that game start. Eight o'clock, so you can just. Don't know if you're in it. If you're not going out that night, just kind of hang out, chill, and throw that game on, and see what happens. So it should be a good. Kick time. your feet up, yeah. That that should be a fun one. And like you said, DJ Weongalale is playing pretty well. Oregon State also has a pretty good defense. So yeah, that should be a fun one to watch. Um, two other games that you didn't mention that I'm also interested in. Um, Tennessee is a three point favorite at home against Texas A and M. I believe yeah, last that should week be another fun one. Yeah, a classic SEC matchup. I believe last week was the A uh, and M Alabama game, which yeah. Saban just once again dropped his nuts on Jimbo Fisher and said, you will not beat me. Um, so Texas A&M coming off of that, Tennessee, who knows what they really are. I mean, they're the 19th ranked team in the country. They're four and one. This could be a really big win for them, depending on how convincingly they win if they do. Um, but I think that'll be a fun one to watch. And also, I don't know why, maybe because it's Drake May, maybe not. I don't know. And this is just a classic ACC matchup, but UNC hosting Miami. UNC is a three and a half point favorite. Uh, for whatever reason, this one screams UNC blowout. Uh, but this, I mean, the spread would indicate that they're thinking it's going to be close. So, you know, do with that what you will. Yeah. I just think Drake, I just think Drake May is really good. And after what I saw from Miami last week, uh, I just have no faith in them whatsoever. But 
who knows? This, 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 like I said, classic ACC matchup could be fun watch. I don't know what Miami's problem is besides they just didn't kneel, but something's just something's up with that, that program, man. It's just they just don't they just don't have it anymore. And I don't know what they need or what's the case, but something just happens where they're just not they're not doing so hot overall. And just I mean they are overall, but they just come up with the dumbest ways to win lose games, and it's just yeah. I don't know. You expect better from them, but it's just they're not they're not clicking. And I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know what, but definitely like. That loss, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they get blown out. I also, be surprised if they bounce back. I would lean more so at the blowout. I think they lost just demoralizes your program for a little bit. Like 100% agree. Especially, especially with um, the coach kind of throwing players under the bus a little bit. I don't really love that. Yeah, what was that about? Like, Chris Balls has got to be better there. Yeah, he's got to be like, hey, that's my job. Like, you should, obviously, players shouldn't fumble. You know that. But also, you should be running the ball with 40 seconds left and you have no timeouts. So Right, just sit on it. Yeah, just kneel ball, go home, and you're good. Um, and he did take – I will give him credit. He did take accountability accountability later on. Um, yeah, I don't know, dude. It's just – that was weird for me. I didn't like the way that was handled. Um, but who am I to criticize the coach? Um, I'm not getting paid millions to coach. So, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah just, just weird. I, I, I grew up loving watching Miami football. I mean, how could you yeah. not when they had guys yeah. like Ed Reed and Sean Taylor and Jeremy Shockey and Devin Hester coming through? And I still maintain that college football is more fun when teams like Miami and USC are good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, Miami just hasn't been good for a really long time. They remind me a lot of the Jets. Kind of have that like cursed feeling, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. That's that's a fair. That's unfortunately a fair assessment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. Couple really good games uh, to look out for this weekend. Should be a fun one. Um, sure. Obviously, we don't have baseball to look forward to anymore unless you're a you know, Braves fan or Phillies fan or something along those lines. But uh, early early game Sunday morning, wake up bright and early. Uh, hopefully, we get a win. If not, I, I'm, I'm going to break some windows. Um. <laughs> uh, I, you, you don't want to know what I do. I don't want to. I'm nervous about this game, especially since the early start, because I don't want to wake Same. up and up yelling or, you know, <laughs> punch something or whatever. So... Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be a it's gonna be interesting. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, hey, look, all we can do is is hope and pray for the best. Josh, thank you so much for joining me once again, man. This is a pleasure. I have a ton of fun with you talking ball. Um, until we see each other next week, let's pull for a Ravens win and everybody have a great weekend. That's good. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Dante. As always. Peace. All right, all right, all right. Shout out to Matthew McConaughey and shout out to Josh for once again joining me this week. Big thanks to him. Uh, he knows ball. I love talking ball with him. Um, obviously, this was a tough week in Baltimore sports, and uh, I'm just thankful that I had somebody else that was going through the misery, misery as well that could share my sentiments. Uh, last order of business this week, as always, going to get you out of here with some NFL best bets for week six. Um, I told you all I don't bet on the Ravens, uh, and I'm not going to do that here, but I am going to have a bet on this game. I'm going to bet the Titans plus four. Uh, say what you want. Call me a bad fan, whatever you want. Uh, I'm just going by the numbers here. The Titans under Mike Vrabel, since he took over as their head coach, are 26-15-1 against the spread, 22-20 uh, and 20 straight up, which tells me that he always has them ready to play. They always play in close games. Um, also, the Ravens, since 2021 as favorites, are 9-18. and 18 against the spread Titans in that span are 14, six and one as underdogs. Vrabel is very good statistically against the spread as a dog. And 
the Ravens just did not play well last week. So I'm going to take the Titans plus the four here. My second pick for the weekend, uh, 49ers are at Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland will most likely be without Deshaun Watson as he did not practice on Wednesday. Um, he was medically cleared to play, I believe, last week when he played against us or they, he didn't play against us. Um, but he decided not to go still is not feeling right. Apparently, uh, due to that rotator cuff or labrum or whatever the fuck the injury is. Nevertheless, the Browns said, if he cannot go, it will be Dorian. No, excuse me, not Dorian Thompson Robinson. It will be PJ Walker. Uh, last time we saw PJ Walker, he was the backup in Carolina started a few games down there after Andy Dalton and Sam Darnold were banged up. I'm going to lay the six and a half on the road with the Niners. Um, flat out. The Cowboys are a better team than the Browns and the Niners absolutely undressed them on national football last week. I know it's a semi big number for a road team to lay. Um, but look, the Niners, I just believe they are that good. I think they are clicking. They have great team chemistry. feels like they want to play for each other. George Kittle and Debo are talking shit to Michael Parsons. Anything less than a touchdown here, I'm going to lay with the Niners. And frankly, I don't feel that bad about it. Next game uh, has all the makings of a potentially ugly game. Vikings are in Chicago against the Bears. I'm going to take the Bears getting plus two and a half. Um, no Justin Jefferson for Minnesota. They put him on IR. He's going to miss at least the next four with the hamstring. No idea what is going to happen to that Vikings building. Um, they're one in four, I believe, currently with no Justin Jefferson. Who knows where they could be after the four-week stretch. I personally think that building's about to implode. I think Daniil Hunter will be out of there by the deadline. I think some other pieces could end up getting moved by the deadline. Harrison Smith may be one of those. Uh, nevertheless, I think Justin Fields looked really, really good last week. DJ Moore looked really good. Hopefully, I uh, forget the offensive coordinator's name over there, but hopefully Matt Eberflus can say, hey, whatever we did last week, Carolina has a pretty good defense. Or excuse me, not Carolina. Washington has a pretty good defense. Just get the ball to DJ Moore. Let Justin Fields run a little bit. Let them do their thing. Um, getting two and a half here in a divisional game. Call me call me an idiot. Falling into a trap, whatever it may be. I'm going to do it. I also lean to the under here, 44 and a half. Um, I'm not expecting Justin Fields to go for 300 yards and four touchdowns or whatever and have DJ Moore go for three on 200, whatever. Um I mentioned Minnesota without Justin Jefferson on that offense. I think that offense is definitely going to struggle. We've already seen them struggle to run the ball with no Dalvin Cook and only going with Alex Alexander Madison this year. Um, I think their offense is going to continue to struggle. And like I said, I'm not expecting the same output from Chicago as they got out last week. Um, so I, I lean the under 44 and a half here. I don't know if I'm going to take it. Um, but anyway, those are my one slash two picks for that game. I don't love the board this week, so that's all I have for you guys right now. Although I do have a teaser that I'll throw out here. Um, it's a nine-point teaser, so kind of a, a, a mega favorite teaser, if you will. Taking big numbers with big favorites, bringing them down, decent price on it. First team, Thursday night game, so if you're listening to this ahead of that, shout out to you. Chiefs are something like a 10-point favorite or 10.5-point favorite against the Broncos on Thursday night. I'm going to bring them down to one and a half. Dolphins are a massive 14-point favorite against the Giants, or excuse me, against the Panthers. I'm going to bring them down to four and a half. Eagles are something like a six and a half or a seven-point favorite, teasing them up to plus two. 49ers bringing them down from six and a half against the Browns to plus two and a half. 
and the Bills on Monday Night Football against the Giants, bringing them down from something like 14, 14 and a half to minus five. Like I said, that's a nine point teaser. Chiefs, Dolphins, Eagles, Niners, Bills currently paying out plus 180. Also, something I've been doing the last couple of weeks, uh, betting on players, specifically receivers, to score a touchdown that haven't yet. This week, I'm going to go in on Cooper Cup. Made his return last week for the Rams. Looked pretty damn good. Um, felt like Stafford was trying to get him one. Uh, nevertheless, I'm going to I'm gonna be on him every week until he scores his first touchdown. This week being the first. I don't know what the price is. Probably going to be something like even money. Um, but anyway, I like Cooper Cup to score a touchdown this week. Those are my best bets for now. I'm almost guaranteeing you guys I'm going to have more on Sunday. I'll have the intern put them out. Uh, but as always, best of luck. Happy betting. Drop my eye, pull me closer, and never let me